It's a Wednesday on Scoops with DannyMac.com, and as we always do, we visit with Brian Walton of TheCardinalNation.com. This is brought to you by Stratum Structural Services. If you have basement repair needs, waterproofing, issues, leaks in your basement, look at Stratum. They can help you out. Stratum Structural uh, Systems. So, Brian, uh, it's a Wednesday, and again, this would be normally kind of the, the kickoff to an exciting weekend for, for many of us, which would be the winter warm-up. Uh, a little bit disappointing that we don't have it this year, but I'm sure we'll have it next year. Now, there is some good news at uh, the CBA, at least in terms of getting back to the negotiating table begins tomorrow, but some good and bad with what we have right now going uh, in baseball this week. Yeah, it's encouraging, Dan, that the two sides are sitting down to start talking, and you just hope that they're able to find some common ground and get some traction, get some momentum to getting a deal done before it impacts spring training and then, of course, the regular season. And, you know, I think most fans are tired of hearing about the arguing, and they just want to hear progress. So if we start, you know, seeing all the quotes where people are posturing and, you know, throwing throwing dirt at the other side, that's a bad sign for baseball getting started in February like we hope to see. Couldn't agree with you more. So let's start uh, with our conversation here about what's happening, what we hope will be on the field. That'll be spring training. I'm curious, and Brian, for folks that don't know, and we've been doing this now for many, many years, uh, Brian obviously has a special emphasis on the Cardinals minor league system, but follows the St. Louis Cardinals with updates day in and day out, 365 days a year at thecardinalnation.com. So going into spring, I'm going to start with the major league club. Who's the, the Cardinal major leaguer that you're most excited or anxious to watch going into spring training of 2022? Well, I'm going to give you two answers, Dan, and I'll, I'll explain why. In terms of established major leaguers, I think Stephen Matz, the, the new left-handed starting pitcher, who's brought in from the outside, signed to a big four-year contract. The Cardinals had a lot of turnover in the rotation last year, a lot of it due to injury. A number of the left-handers departed, starting with Kim, and then, of course, uh, LeBlanc and Happ and Lester, who just announced his retirement I saw earlier today. So they need some stability from the left side of the rotation. They definitely need a guy who can eat up innings. So he's a guy that, you know, Stephen Matz is a, is a great addition, it looks like, but we'll have to see how he performs in the field. For in terms of young players, I think uh, Juan Yepes, who we've talked so much about, the young power hitter who, you know, dominated the Cardinals minor league system, you know, played exceptionally well in the Arizona Fall League, looks to be in a position where he can compete for a bench spot next year. And, you know, the Cardinals need power, and he's a young guy that, that has it if he can get his opportunities in the major league. So those are a couple of the guys I'm looking forward to seeing uh, with St. Louis this, this uh, coming season. Yeah, me too. I think there's a couple of guys that uh, I would look at too. Tyler O'Neill is fascinating. He's always fascinating because of his build and the combination of power and speed and the way that he finished up last year. Can it carry over to this year? I'm excited about that. Want to see that. And then uh, the health of Jack Flaherty. And, you know, typically speaking, when he's been healthy, you could make the argument he's in the top five, top ten of pitchers in the league. So I think those are a couple of guys that I'd be very, very interested in this spring training coming up. Absolutely, Dan. You know, Tyler O'Neill really made the big step forward. And the detractors are going to say, well, you know, he'll backslide and the strikeouts will go up and et cetera. But, you know, we really saw him grow as a as a major leaguer last year and if he continues on this trajectory you know he could be a future all-star by the way uh you mentioned the name of john lester and at the end of the season i was thinking is john lester a hall of famer and uh i started doing some numbers 
And I was just looking at this, and I don't mean to pick you off here, Brian, and, and I'm sure you'll dive into it, but let me just throw this at you. So he's one of uh, nine modern left-handers with 200 wins, got his 200th win with the Cardinals, a 600 winning percentage, a career ERA under four. Six of the other eight are in the Hall of Fame, and CC Sabathia isn't eligible yet. And you think about John Lester being a part of a couple of world titles uh, with Boston, obviously the famous one with uh, the Cubs to end the curse. I, I got to think that he's going to get a lot of support for the Hall of Fame when his time is up. Yeah, it's interesting. John Lester, certainly if he was able to pitch against the Cardinals every time out during his <laughs> career, you know, he would be like a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, you know, it was kind of fitting that he ended up, you know, ended his career, you know, with the Cardinals. But, you know, you look at his recognition. I mean, he was a five-time All-Star. Uh, the negative is he never won a Cy Young Award, although he finished in the in the top five, I think, three times. Came really close, I want to say, 2016. But, but it, you know, John Lester had a very distinguished career, stayed healthy, and so racked up the counting stats. Uh, I don't think he ever won 20 games, but, you know, 20 games is kind of a thing of the past. So, you know, he's another guy who is really good, uh, delivered over 15, 16 years in the major leagues, and, and he'll get votes. I don't know if he'll ever get in, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that will certainly get good consideration in five years when he becomes eligible. Yeah, and speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, the trajectory for Scott Rowland looks awfully good. I didn't think he would get in this year, and, and he might not get into baseball's Hall of Fame this year, but, boy, he's going to be pretty darn close, isn't he? Yeah, he's in the low 70s right now. You need 75% of the of the votes to to uh, be inducted. But I mean, he was at just above 50 last year. So you can see and he's he's only in his I think fifth year if I remember right of qualification, fifth of 10 years. So it's pretty seems pretty clear that if Scott Rowland doesn't make it this year, he's going to go in the Hall of Fame next year. And you know, you just look at the contribution that he made over the years. He's in the the top 15 of all third basemen in the in the history of the game in terms of his counting stats. Um, you know, defensively, one of the best of all time. Yeah, the, certainly the detractors say yes, he was injured late in his career. But you know, you even look at the numbers he put up and put the injuries aside, and I think he's a a very very strong candidate. Of course those of us who saw him play regularly with the Cardinals might be biased, but I, you know, there are a lot of Phillies fans out there, Reds fans, uh, Blue Jays fans who, who back his candidacy as well. You know, I, I made this statement. I, I don't know if you're going to agree with it, but he's the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. Now I've watched Nolan Arenado for a year. I watched Scott Rowland for many, many years. And maybe by the end of it, I'll look at Arenado and I'll say, Boy, I, I give him a slight edge. I'm just talking about eye test, and we can go into the metrics and all that stuff, but I'm just looking eye test. I think Scott Rowland is the the most dominant defensive third baseman, certainly of his era, and, and is considered one of the best ever to play the position. And I think more and more people look at defense, and there are ways to measure defense. So that's why he's probably headed to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think so. And for whatever reason, you look at the numbers, the distribution of the Hall of Fame by position. Third base seems to get the short end of the stick, has gotten the short end of the stick sure over time. Has. Yep. You know, yeah, you know, there's the Mike Schmitz and, and all who, who got in. But, you know, there have been a lot of very, very good third basemen who haven't. You know, going back to, to Ken Boyer, for example, who's one that, you know, has been on the veterans ballot so many times now. And finally, Ron Santo got in, unfortunately, after his passing. But, you know, there are a lot of guys like that. You say, gee, when they played – 
you know, not everybody's going to be Brooks Robinson, obviously, but a lot of guys who play who are really good third basemen, and there's this, I don't know, it's like an inherent prejudice against the position that I don't really understand. I want to go back to the Cardinals of 2022 and, and spring training coming up. Do you, do you see a scenario in which an Alec Burleson or a, a Nolan Gorman can break camp with the club? Now, again, we don't know what the it's going to look like once you come out of the CBA with a DH in the National League and maybe the Cardinals go out and sign a DH if there is one and so on and so forth. But do you see one of those two guys potentially uh, breaking north with the club? Alec Burleson, I would say not. I think he needs more time. And again, we're talking about a guy who in his first full season of, of ball, granted, he was, a, he was a very good college player at East Carolina, but a guy who worked his way up multiple promotions, got to AAA. And, you know, he's going to need probably a little more time. I don't think necessarily that there's a need for an outfield position, given that, that Lars Newbar has solidified the fourth spot and the three starting outfielders, again, were you know, one of the highlights of, of the year last year. Uh, that doesn't mean that he won't make it later in the year, perhaps. I think Nolan Gorman, you know, one of the things we want to keep an eye on as the CBA negotiations continue are, are they going to change the rules that keep teams from necessarily having players start on the major league roster at the beginning of the season? Now, having said that, uh, and that's, you know, that's, of course, the Chris Bryant you know, situation sure. that folks may remember in Chicago. Mm. But the Cardinals, to their defense, the Cardinals have had opportunities in the past, and they haven't done that. Uh, Colby Rasmus was one that I remember very clearly that they could have done the same thing, sent him down, but he started, uh, the team with, started with the team on opening day when he was ready. But, you know, if they have to wait a little longer on Nolan Gorman, that won't be the end of the world. But the other guy you didn't mention is Brendan Donovan, right. who, who, who played, got a lot more action in AAA than uh, than the other two, and really did a fine job, and is defensively very versatile. Can play multiple positions. He's a guy that you know might even make the team before Gorman. He won't necessarily stay. He won't have the long major league career, but he's a guy that could contribute too, depending on how they deal with the mix of infielders that they have. You know, right now, of course, uh, the young and Sosa and Edmund are all back, but but Rondon left. So there's an opportunity for a guy maybe not a starter, but a utility guy. So long-winded way of saying, I think when they need a starter or when they want to have a starter, when, when Gorman comes up, Gorman's going to play every day. He's going to start. Donovan is a guy that probably won't start, but can you know fill in well around the edges. Um, Burleson, you know, maybe when there's an injury or there's some kind of an opportunity, but I think he's better served getting more at-bats in Memphis. There's a, a guy that's really caught my eye, and it's Jake Walsh. I was looking at some of the numbers He's been around now for a little bit, and if he can stay healthy, you know, he's maybe a guy, a pitcher, that the Cardinals could get some innings from this year. Yeah, Jake Walsh was a guy that was uh, had a lot of promise as a starter, uh, pitched very well up to high eight, and then had some injuries. Missed almost two years, uh, 2019 injury, but then he, you know, 20, then 2020 COVID, of course, hit. Uh, he had some elbow soreness that they tried to, rehab through and didn't do it and, and he didn't get surgery till till late in 2019 so basically missed 2020 as well came back as a reliever uh pitched very well at springfield uh supposedly uh the radar gun at springfield might be a little hot but uh the word i got there was he was touching triple digits wow um got the opportunity to come up to memphis late in the year you know it was very late in the year pitched in the arizona fall league had some good outings had some bad outings but was Good enough, like Brendan Donovan, the organization knew that other guys had seen Jake Walsh, knew what you know, knew about his velocity, knew about his offerings, and and they protected him from the Rule Five draft specifically so that you know he would be able to get a little more time to develop 
And but I think there's no doubt. As we wrote, uh, Walsh is our number 27 prospect for 2022 you know we're going to see him in st louis at some point in, in 2022 i don't think there's any doubt about that yeah i agree with you uh international signing so that's a key date coming up so there is some business to talk about concerning that with the uh, game of baseball and that's happening this weekend that's right dan um it used to be folks remember the, there was all this discussion of july 2nd july 2nd was the date every year in which a new international signing season begins and that means that youngsters typically from Latin America, who turned 16 years old, then are eligible to be drafted, be, excuse me, not drafted, be signed by organizations. It's not a draft, it's an actual signing. And what Major League Baseball did several years back is institute basically a cap in terms of how much money teams can spend internationally. And for the Cardinals, it's a little over $6 million in total, and they can sign as few or as many players as they want, as long as they don't go over that total. And uh, teams that at the high end who exceeded the luxury tra- tax threshold. And if they sign a big league free agent uh, who rejected a qualifying offer, then money gets taken away. But so a lot, but most of the major league teams are in the five to $6 million range. And so starting on uh, Saturday, we'll see some of these new names of these youngsters. And in a lot of cases, agreements have been in place for some time and everybody's just waiting, you know, for the new date and for the calendar to flip over to, uh, to start mm-hmm. that. But, you know, to put that in perspective for, Cardinals fans who maybe you know don't see what happens there, you can go back to uh, Oscar Tavares. Yeah, you can go back to Alex Reyes, Edmundo Sosa, our guys you know way back who were international signees. Uh, later on, Sandy Alcantara, Junior Fernandez, uh, Ularis Montero, who got you know traded to the uh, Rockies in the in the Nolan Arenado deal, and then more recently, Johan Oviedo. Uh, the third baseman, Malcolm Nunez. So there are you know, good players that the Cardinals have gotten out of the international program, and that pipeline they want to continue to uh, pump up. But they tend to go more for uh, quantity rather than the highest, you know, the top pick guys where they might spend three or four of their $6 million on just one player. They, they tend to like to spread their money around a little more. Sure, and we can get into <clears throat> that next week. Uh, Brian, what are you working on at thecardinalnation.com? Well, we continue some of our series that uh, that we've talked about before. We've got a series where we're looking at the history of of the labor relations in baseball. So there'll be a new uh, the fourth uh, segment of that up tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, we've just put up our number twenty prospects. So now we're just getting into the top new top twenty prospect list for twenty twenty two. Today's uh, number twenty, Ryan Holgate, who was uh, drafted seventieth overall. So in the competitive balance round two by the Cardinals this last year uh, uh, out of the University of Arizona, an interesting young outfielder, and that article's free, so folks can read that and kind of understand what's going on in the Top 20 series, and, and hopefully they'll like what they see and uh, consider subscribing. Absolutely. It's always great stuff at thecardinalnation.com. Brian, have a great Wednesday. Thanks for uh, jumping on with me, as you always do, and we'll catch up next week. Take care, Dan. That's Brian Walton, and we're presented by Stratum Structural Services. Any issues, waterproofing, leaking in your basement, basement repair, Stratum Structural Services. This is scoopswithdannymac.com.